The Fourth Wall, Episode 21, Chris Morgan. You're listening to The Fourth Wall, a podcast that takes you beyond the screen or the page and brings you into our conversations with the creative people behind your favorite movies, TV shows, comics, and more. My name is Michael R. I'm the podcast editor here at Den of Geek, and today we're talking to Chris Morgan, who's the, quote, narrative architect, according to the press release, behind the Fast and the Furious franchise. And of course, they just meant he's the writer of many of the screenplays. But I thought it was an interesting term because narrative architect could also refer to the fact that the Fast franchise is quickly becoming its own cinematic universe. And with the release of Hobbs and Shaw, which had its digital release on October 15th and will be having its 4K Ultra HD DVD and Blu-ray release on November 15th, we couldn't help but notice that this movie is taking the franchise in a new direction and could definitely spawn a mini franchise of its own if there's a Hobbs and Shaw 2 and so on. But this great movie starring Jason Statham and Dwayne Johnson was definitely a favorite at the box office, and Chris Morgan had some things to share with us about how he thinks this new franchise really puts a new spin on things and his relationship with his fellow screenwriter, Drew Pierce, who we also spoke to in an interview on Den of Geek, although not for a podcast. But I'm so excited that we got to talk to Chris Morgan because he really is clearly excited about his job and enthusiastic about the stories that are told in this over-the-top action series which is grounded in the stories of the characters and the family that's built in the Fast and Furious universe. So here's our interview with Chris Morgan about the DVD release of Hobbs and Shaw. Hey, Michael, how you doing? Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining me today. Oh, no, thank you for doing the interview. That's awesome. I was very excited to hear that, although Hobbs and Shaw is already out in digital release as of October 15th, there's going to be a 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray coming out pretty soon, right? Ah, uh, yeah. Coming out November 15th. That's right. <laughs> yes, indeed. Now, in the uh, press release that I received when we were scheduling this interview, it referred to you as the narrative architect. Nice. Which is a great term for what you do with the Fast and the Furious, because presumably, although in this particular version, you didn't write the screenplay alone, is it something that describes how you make the pieces fit together from movie to movie, or is it just a general term for your script writing? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's kind of all of the above generally. It's, um, you know, I came on on the third film and wrote them all the way through uh, Hobbs and Shaw and, you know, worked with another writer, Drew Pierce on Hobbs and Shaw as well. But yeah, in terms of what is the, story, the journey that the characters are going on, the tone, the, you know, the trials they have to go through, the action set pieces, and then laying it out in the script. I think that's probably what they, what they mean by that. And just, you know, helping and being a, a part of the expansion of the Fast and Furious world and being part of, um, you know, there's a very distinctive shift in Fast uh, from... Right, right. Yeah, from, you know, from the third movie where I came in, where it was kind of a smaller film, and then up, you know, to the fifth movie where we really got to change and do a, 
a heist film, a true heist film, and make it kind of bigger, and then the films just kind of grew from there. And Hobbs and Shaw, we get to explore a little bit with like sci-fi and military tech, which is super fun. That's one of the best things about these uh, these films is that the characters are so like that crew is so good, and you want to spend time with them that you're allowed to you're allowed to hop genres a little bit, and the audience is willing to go with it because they they care about what happens to the to their crew, you know. That's cool. You're in, you're anticipating a lot of my questions because I wanted to ask you about the sci-fi piece <laughs> there, but um, no, I'll ramble. So uh, feel free to <laughs> interrupt at any moment. But what's cool is that this idea. Uh, I mean, Fast and the Furious comes from 2001, which was before cinematic universes were actually a thing. So do you think Fast and the Furious not being based on an existing intellectual property like Marvel gives the writers more freedom to help the franchise grow, even as audience expectations have changed over the past couple of decades? That's a really good question. Uh, I don't know if it has more freedom. I mean, I guess... You know what? Maybe so, because it is not it doesn't have a specific genre that it really started as. And so it you can more easily adapt it to other things. Although I got to say, with some other cinematic universes, you're also allowed to kind of wander a bit. I, w- I would say, well, listen, here's my, here's my answer to that. I would say, yes, Fast originally started out as a kind of smaller racing Actually, minor heist movie was in its DNA. You know, there are these robberies that are happening with um, some some DVD players on uh, being shipped in, in trucking, <laughs> uh, some larger like trucks and stuff like that. But the spirit was there, and there is this family and code and brotherhood. All that stuff was laid in in the initial film, and we just get to extrapolate on it and now update it as as time goes by, and then play genres a little bit. As long as the tone remains consistent and as long as those characters and their moral code and what they believe in and that sense of family and honor, as long as all that's there, I think, yeah, you could literally take the franchise in multiple directions. So, yeah, I guess it does make it easier. Yeah, I, was, I, was, I guess I was also thinking of the fact that you're not beholden to expectations that comic book readers have of previous iterations of the characters. So. <laughs> No, I think the only expectation you're kind of beholden to is to make sure that you're keeping a little bit of the street racing car modification feel. I think that's important even in small touches. So it doesn't matter if you're dealing with a world ending virus or whatever it turns out to be. I think you always want to just have little touches of, you know, guys being able to, you know, crew uh, and the team, you know, being able to upgrade their cars, work on them, that their cars say something about who they are. There's a reason you choose that car because it speaks to your soul or represents that type of character. I think that's probably the only thing you're really beholden to. Now, you did talk about the shift to more of a heisty Mission Impossible James Bond kind of feel, but Hobbs and Shaw seems to have hit upon a new hybrid, which is kind of like comic book movie because of the supervillain played by Idris Elba yep. and buddy cop movie. So is, you know, is Hobbs and Shaw shooting off from Fast and Furious? Does that have a, a very purposeful tonal shift that way? I think the tone shift, by the way, I think all the films, including the spinoffs, happen within the, you know, the Fast and Furious timeline and the Fast and Furious world, and they'll have ramifications on the universe. But 
specifically with this, you know, when we went and hired our director, David Leach, for the first spinoff in the Fast and Furious universe, one of his very high priorities were to make sure that it feels that it is grounded in the Fast and Furious tone. You recognize it as a fast film, but to also give it a distinctive flavor. So those things that you're talking about, the you know, there's an elevated sense of humor here, an elevated sense of action and kind of tone of action. So not only do you get the, you know, kind of very grounded, like hand-to-hand combat things that David's known for, but you also get to have these very fun, heightened action sequences that have a little bit of a sci-fi flair to them with our Idris Elba character, Brixton, his kind of super soldier sort of feel. And I think those were... So again, those were things that David, you know, wanted to make sure that we felt a part of the fast world, but also have that little separate tone. So you feel like, oh, this is, I'm not watching the exact same thing. I'm watching something that feels like it's in the world, but something that is distinct to itself. Also, I'll say that the reason for the um, kind of the heightened sci-fi feel for Idris was you have these two alpha heroes. You got Hobbs and you got Shaw, and we've seen them kind of, you know, clear rooms on their own before. Your villain to go up against them has to be so bad, so tough, has to beat them down so completely on their own that the only way they could even possibly have a shot of beating this dude is if they actually swallowed their pride and end up working together. So that's the original thought process of why the tech? Yeah. And I like that they have their different styles, regardless of what they're confronting. <laughs> so For sure. For sure. Like one's a rhino and likes to bash through everything. And one's a cheetah who's just <laughs> so fast, you know? Now the DVD Blu-ray release includes features that are about the Hobbs family tree. And it has a close look at Shaw's mother played by Helen Mirren and the new Vanessa Kirby character, Hattie Shaw. How much of that yeah. family tree stuff falls in your purview? Like in terms of designing all that? Pretty much all of it. I mean, in terms of, uh, you know, story-wise, character-wise, of the, of who we bring in and why? Well, like, have you ever created a new character based on a star that they were pursuing? Or does the character design always come before casting? It can go both ways. Typically, though, it's the character design first. What is the role that we need to move the story forward or to challenge our heroes? And then we design based on that. So... For example, in Fast Five, we knew we needed to have this contagonist. We needed a guy who's going to be chasing Dom and Brian, and they are, for the first time in their lives, afraid. Like, someone's coming after them that is like a force of nature and is like a storm on the horizon, and it's going to outrun them, and they need to do something in order to to get away from it. The second we were creating this lawman from hell who will not stop until he gets them, we knew that was going to be Dwayne. <laughs> so the genesis of the character, it's like, who is that going to be? And the first, first thing was like, it's going to be Dwayne Johnson. So like, it, it'll, it'll vary how the casting part will come about, but typically we'll know, you know, like we had known Helen Mirren was a fan of the films. We knew we were going to bring her into the franchise at some point. And then the question is how, and the answer is, well, of course, she's Shaw's mom. <laughs> of course. <laughs> yeah. Well, now, this is probably something that's been pointed out to you a number of times. But Hobbs and Shaw has this screenplay from Drew Pierce, who not only wrote a Mission Impossible script in Rogue Nation, but also part of the MCU, having written Iron Man 3. 
Plus, there's the tie-in with Vanessa Kirby having been in Mission Impossible Fallout. Yeah. Are these connections to other franchises more about selling it to the studio executives, to the fans, or just to tapping into their relevant experience? Believe it or not, they are largely coincidental. Um, <laughs> so like with, with Drew, you know, we were working on the film and we were in pre-production and we were doing a rewrite on it. And so my job is not only to write the script, but also to produce the script. And our timeline got pretty tight and we decided to bring someone in to be able to help and we would just divvy up sequences and scenes. And I've been a fan of Drew's and David had been working with Drew. So we brought him in and we just had a great relationship and just did a little bit of baseball uh, in terms of scenes. You want to write that? I'll write this. We'll do this. You do that. I'll come in. Like that kind of stuff. And yeah, and he's, you know, tonally, he's great for exactly what you said, which is the Mission Impossible sort of stuff. And and then Vanessa, we had been aware of prior to her mission performance uh, and we're already targeting, but that was just, you know, it just happened to be, she did a great, job, great job in that film as well. Now I have a writer question for you too. When you're writing for movies that rely so heavily on action sequences when there's not much dialogue, how does that get communicated in the initial planning stages? Do you end up writing it all the way out, like the way a novelist would make use of narration? Or is it just sketched out so that you can get input from stunts, directing, and other pre-production uh, collaborators? I guess it depends. I would say, on average, I'm action is the one thing that I see very clearly, and it's kind of what I'm passionate about. And I always write it out. I will write it out beat by beat. I will write, you know, the... To me, the action sequence isn't just, you know, and the cars scramble away from the whatever, right? It's, for me, it's every moment. Why, why the turn? Why the surprise? Where's the audience going to be? Oh my God, what's he going to do? How do they, how do the characters respond to it? It's all these character moments in the middle of mayhem. It's what you actually remember about films, you know, and, and action sequences specifically, it's that heroic line of dialogue. It's that, oh shit moment. It's that surprising thing that your character overcomes. So for me, typically, I will write out the full action sequence, beat for beat. So then we know, A, we can you know, expense it out. Okay, <laughs> this is what that's <laughs> going to cost to do that. And then B, the, so again, we have a, um, a very collaborative, creative team you know, with our director and actors and the studio. Everyone can get on the same page. Everyone can react to it. If anyone has an idea that makes it better, it's in. Best idea always wins. That's kind of how we operate over here. And, you know, that's, that's how I do it. A lot of writers, other writers, their focus is not necessarily on that. And they, will, they know they have a very talented stunt team that can kind of, or a previs team or whatever that will help, you know, kind of beat it out. You know, it's always a combination and just depends on the sequence or the script or your, the people that you're working with. But, but for me, it's always, it's always in the script. Well, Chris, we really appreciate you taking the time out to talk with us. And we're looking forward to the 4K Ultra HD and Blu-ray release for Hobbs and Shaw on November 15th. Thanks so much for talking to us. It was a pleasure talking to you too. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. All right. I really enjoyed everything that Chris Morgan had to say about the process behind how it is that you write for an action movie, how it is that different characters are chosen or designed around a star or before a star is even considered. So I thought that was a very interesting behind the scenes peek. 
And of course, there are plenty of extras to be enjoyed on the DVD when the 4K Ultra HD version of the movie comes out on November 15th. And I'll just name some of them that are on the DVD. We've got uh, a lot of stuff about the family tree, the Hobbes family tree specifically, but also the sister and the matriarch of the Shaw family. Because we've got, of course, the new character, Hattie Shaw, played by Vanessa Kirby and Helen Mirren as Shaw's mother. So there's a lot of stuff about that. We've got plenty of interviews with Dwayne Johnson in various aspects of his appearance in the movie. Not only do we have a conversation between Roman Reigns and Dwayne Johnson here in the extras on the DVD, there's also a little story about Dwayne Johnson and his French bulldog Hobbs, which is an interesting little extra there. And a lot of stuff about the action, of course, because you wouldn't want a DVD without some behind the scenes breakdowns of some of the stunts, some of the fight scenes. And there certainly is plenty of that along with some deleted extended and alternate scenes and some feature commentary from director David Leach. So that's something to look forward to for those of you who are looking to get the 4k ultra HD DVD or Blu-ray for your collection. But that'll wrap things up for this episode. Come back in two weeks for the next edition of the podcast, when we'll break through the fourth wall once again to talk to another creator or performer behind the entertainment that you love. Remember to follow Den of Geek on Twitter and Facebook at Den of Geek US. My name is Michael R. and you can follow me at Mike Sci-Fi. Find more content at denofgeek.com and thanks for listening. Join us again next time, Beyond the Fourth Wall. <laughs>